0: We are delighted to be joined by Governor Ned Lamont this morning. Governor, I appreciate you checking in today. Did you just get back from uh, shoveling your driveway? Let's put it this way, the driveway is shoveled. Yeah, I bet you didn't do it though. Tell me about the snow removal effort and how your 600 plow trucks around the state are doing. Yeah, Wayne, um the DOT's
1: been out there for 14 hours. They're going strong. You know, pandemic people say there's no playbook. Snowstorms in New England, we've got a playbook. Garrett Yucalito's been out with the uh, 600 snow plows cheering them on over the last 12 hours. I, I think all of our roads are, certainly the major roads are clear and open. Some of the back roads still a little slippery, so watch out.
0: Not often we can get a road condition report from the governor. We appreciate that. But that being said, use your position of authority to just to give some advice to people. Your best bet, stay home, give the plows a chance to clear the roads.
1: Uh, you said it. Um, If our plows can get around, we'll have everything cleared a lot safer sooner. So you don't have to be at work, uh, stay home.
0: Inquiring minds want to know, Governor, where is Plowzilla? Where is Buzz Ice Clear? Where is Husky McSalty? And where is Scoop Dog? And yes, you can explain what I'm talking about.
1: Yes. Well, we had a competition, a naming competition. A lot of them School kids in particular around the state came up with those names. I had uh Edgar Allen Snow, a little more literary, but we didn't make the final bracket and uh, and today we're going to have a little fun as well. If you go to um you know the governor's website, we're going to have a snow uh, man competition and uh, so post your best snow plow we'll see who gets the most uh, the best snowman' we'll, uh snow person I guess you say today and then we'll uh we'll see who has the most likes and who's the winner
0: edgar allen snow quoth the governor nevermore all right on to more serious things here the uh, story was in the news yesterday about the english learners bill of rights for non-english speaking parents explain what this is and why we need it
1: we're working hard to get all of our kids back to school and keep them in the classroom i'm doing everything i can one thing you know we're knocking on doors it's called the leap program saying um your classmates uh, miss you, why aren't you back in the classroom? And being able to do more of this in Spanish, uh, really make sure that population is front and center. And that's also in the classroom as well. Sometimes uh, mom or dad just don't exactly know what their kids are learning, and uh, having a Spanish translator there on occasion makes it better for them.
0: it's yes, designed for non-English speaking parents for interaction with school personnel. As far as medical is concerned, folks are in medical debt through no fault of their own, and you're proposing eliminating up to $2 billion of, federal, of medical debt with $20 million in federal funding. Just how do you do that?
1: You know, medical debt, that unexpected uh, surgery and uh, big copays you don't know how you're going to pay for it, that's the number one cause of personal bankruptcy. Uh, these all sit on the books of the hospitals, so we've got a good not-for-profit who's done this before, we're giving him $20 million, see if we can get up to $2 billion worth of debt wiped off so you are debt-free as you go and try and uh, rent that house or get that first mortgage.
0: Is that even more important now in the wake of COVID because so many people needed medical care who, without the pandemic, might not have needed it?
1: I think you're right about that. Um, I, I, I think the amount of medical debt has gone up, but uh, we're going to address that. We're the first state in the country to do this, um, and this is not something where people are not being careful and that's why they get medical debt. You get hit with an emergency, you don't have a
0: choice. Has there been discussions at the state capitol in the last couple of weeks since that terrible train accident in East Palestine, Ohio, with the hazardous materials? I know we have hazardous materials coming through Connecticut on rail. We have some coming through Willimatic from time to time. But are there ways we can make the rail safer and maybe let people know in advance when this stuff is coming through their towns?
1: Yeah, Garrett Uccolito, he runs the Department of Transportation, um, very strict on that. A, the inspections, make sure this can't happen. B, the upgrade of the track so you have less of those, uh, you know, sharp turns. That will reduce the risk of an uh, accident as well. I think those are the two most
0: important things we can do. And speaking of folks that uh, are under your umbrella, you've nominated Brian Caffarelli as Consumer Protection Commissioner. What does Brian bring to the table? Brian's. Uh, Great. He's
1: um, been over at Consumer Protection. He knows his way around. He was doing um, you know, drug enforcement there. A, he's going to be a um, champion for consumers, so people know what consumer protection is. means you can get safe and healthy products. B, he's going to regulate, but regulate very efficiently, make it a little bit easier for people to get the licenses and inspections they need going forward.
0: Last week was the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion or attacking on Ukraine. And on that day, February 23rd, you addressed the crowd at a rally at Central Connecticut State University to mark that anniversary. You were joined by Lieutenant Governor Susan Beisowitz, Senator Richard Blumenthal, Congressman Joe Courtney, Congresswoman Johanna Hayes, and also Central's President Zuma Toro. Can you share with us what some of your thoughts were, what you told the Central audience that day last week? I said I spent 10 years at Central Connecticut
1: teaching a course in peace studies. And uh, be it the war in Vietnam or the second invasion of Iraq, there are a lot of wars that I did not think were necessary. I think this war, sadly, is necessary. The fighting spirit of the Ukrainians fighting for their own freedom, fighting for their independence. And the Biden doctrine is uh, if you're willing to um, carry the weapons, we're going to give you the weapons you need to defend yourselves.
0: Slava, Ukraine. A couple of weeks ago, Stone Academy announced it would be closing all three campuses across the state after more than 150 years of operation. Attorney General William Tong said last week his office is starting a formal investigation into the nursing school under the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act. That, of course, is for the legal beagles. But just from the governmental standpoint, are there things that the government can do, the Connecticut government governor legislature can do to help out those students who are in the middle of a school year and got the rug pulled out from under them.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, William Todd, our attorney general, he is going to hold Stone Academy accountable. What we do on our side is what do we do with these uh, 850 young people who want to be nurses? We desperately need them. Timmy Larson, um, he ran our jobs there uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow getting these uh, young people set up with uh, other uh, nursing programs. I was on the phone with Pat Charmel from Griffin Hospital. He's ready to take hundreds of these students. So um, we're going to make sure they are placed and have an opportunity to be a nurse right here in Connecticut.
0: This is a big deal. It affects more than 900 students and families. A subpoena has been issued. You announced FORGE to establish operations in Connecticut, offering free support to local startups. That's certainly important for economic development. What exactly is Forge, and how does it work?
1: So we have a lot of startups in this uh, in this state, which is good. More startups than ever before. And, it you know, when it comes to social media and things, it's a little bit easier for maybe a small business in your uh, downtown community. It's a little bit easier. We give you the startup money and counseling you need. And manufacturing is a little tougher uh, because it sometimes requires more skills and more capital. That's where Ford steps in. They provide a lot of support you need. So the next Eli Whitney or Igor Sikorsky can start it up right here in Connecticut.
0: it begins providing its services free of charge to local startups. Is FORGE an acronym for something, or why do they call it FORGE?
1: It is an acronym for something, and I have no idea what it's an acronym.
0: All right, we'll research that one later on. I didn't mean to hang out to dry on that one. You also announced Connecticut's participation in the newly launched Reproductive Freedom Alliance. There's actually 20 states involved in this, 20 governors. What do you expect the outcome of that to be?
1: Look, I I think um, reproductive rights ought to be solved on a national level. I think it's a basic right. That said, in the meantime, what the states can do, rallying together, um, and that's what I've done. We've joined with uh, 19 other states. This is a place where, you know, your reproductive rights and choices are going to be protected right in our states.
0: You've also announced budget and policy proposals to include support to expand access to affordable and workforce housing. It's one thing to get a job. It's something else if you don't have a place to live. So how would that work? Exactly. Exactly. Um,
1: A couple of things. We've a double the amount of money going into what I call workforce housing to make sure that, um, you know, Electric Boat and Pratt and uh, all the supply chain. Maybe we're training the people. Maybe their young people want to stay in Connecticut, but they won't stay unless they have a place that they can live. And these are a lot of, you know, one bedroom apartments in downtown areas to bring our cities back to life and make sure young people have a place they can live as well as work.
0: Some people were upset by the budget's allocation to the University of Connecticut. There were protests in Hartford about that. Uh, it's a historic level of state funding for UConn in your budget proposal. What is your reaction to the protests they've had? What message do you want to send to those people? And uh, where do you see UConn's funding going from this point forward?
1: Hey, I love the UConn students, and I love the fact they're fighting and believing UConn every day. And uh, that's why they came down to the Capitol uh, you're right. We have more, um, historic funding going to Yukon because it's a key resource in terms of our economic future and opportunity for everybody. You maybe remember the last couple of years, there was a lot of federal COVID money because we were doing testing and vaccinations. We don't need that um, any longer. And frankly, the feds have cut it off, but our baseline funding continues to go up at Yukon.
0: You've also announced recipients of school mental health workers' grants. Twenty school districts across Connecticut got a total of $5 million in funding under a grant program. Two of those towns are in our listening area. Mansfield got $241,000. Hebron got $324,000. Why are certain towns singled out for a grant for school mental health workers?
1: I think it's a based upon need. And uh, but more importantly, uh, there is broad-based need. I, I'm, I'm coming out of COVID, I thought we had to work on learning loss and get everybody back up to speed on their STEM skills. Then we realized a lot of these young people are really scarred by what happened over the last few years. So having a coach, having a counselor, having um, somebody they can talk to quietly and help them uh, stay in school, get back on their feet, that's what we're trying to do.
0: And you've also announced that you're accepting applications for new rounds of funding under two competitive state grant programs to help with the cost associated with implementing needed security infrastructure improvements and upgrades to emergency communication systems at schools throughout Connecticut. Is that for every school district to improve their security?
1: Uh, That is. You've got to apply for it. You've got to show that you've got a, um, a reasonable plan. Maybe you're putting up some of the resources yourself. It's not all at the state. But uh, we've got to do this. Um, we've seen the risk um, over the last uh, few years in terms of um, threats against our schools, not to mention threats against our religious um, establishments and such. they are doing everything they can to up the level of security there.
0: And there's also a proposal to lower the blood alcohol content level for people stop for DUI down to point zero five. Do you support that, and do you think it will pass?
1: I do. I mean, Garrett Uccolito, again, said uh, this is making a difference. The amount of um, driving-related accidents that are often alcohol-fueled continues to go up post-COVID. I I was sort of surprised that we'd be on a par with Utah. I didn't know they even drank in Utah, but um, uh, we're going to be pretty strict on this, and I think it will pass.
0: Governor, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. And I recommend you stay inside the governor's mansion today and maybe lay down some blues on the keyboard.
1: Uh, that's a real possibility, Wayne, real possibility. Thanks, everybody.
0: You bet. We've seen you do it right here on the Shabu stage in Romantic Willamette. Governor Ned Lamont, our guest this morning on 14WILI Willamette and 95.3 FM.